It's already 12 o'clock. It's quitting time, and I'm just starting. So I'll be mindful of that. I'll be mindful that we have kiddos in here. Oh, my goodness. Matthew chapter 1. We know it's the Christmas season, and it really feels like the Christmas season today, doesn't it? My goodness. I walked through the door singing, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas this morning. Uh, But uh, I just want to share on on one of the great themes of Christmas time, and and it's the name, the name that we read in, in the text that we're about to read, Emmanuel, that he is Emmanuel. And I, I just want to speak into this idea just for a moment before we go, and uh, I think it will—I think it will—it it will even stir our hearts even more just to worship because as I think about him as Emmanuel, as God with us, this is pretty amazing. He's not God millions of miles away. He's not God against us. He's not God condemning us. He's God with us, and he's God for us. Wow. And this is what we celebrate during this, this time of the year. So Matthew chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So he had made up his mind, but he considered these things. Now, how can you be resolved to do one thing, but still be considering things? I'm not sure how that works, but there's something about Joseph that he was chosen to be the adopted human father of Jesus. And I believe he was chosen for a purpose. And I believe one of the reasons, and this isn't part of of the message this morning, but one of the reasons why Joseph was chosen was because he he was pliable. He was willing to hear from God. He was willing to... To say, okay, this is what I think I need to do. And he had every right to divorce Mary because she was carrying a baby that wasn't his. But he was still soft enough to consider these things and to be open to what God may be doing. Are you open to what God may be doing? When it looks like a mess, are you open? That's what Joseph was in, a mess. His, his fiance, the woman he was about to marry, is pregnant. The baby's not his. He's in a mess, but he's willing to consider these things. That's what I'm trying to do with my heart right now. Just consider, what God, what are you up to? What are you up to? What are you doing in these days that we're living in? Because I don't, I don't want to retreat. I don't want to go back. I want to keep moving forward. Amen? Behold, the angel of the Lord, as he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. There's something about being pliable. 
There's something about being willing to consider these things that God can speak to you when you're like that. When you're in that heart position. You ever notice God doesn't speak to you very much when your mind's made up? He, he has a hard time speaking to me when I've already made up my mind. When I'm already sure. When I've already got ten reasons why I need to do a certain thing. But when I keep my heart open, that's when I can hear from the Lord. And that's what we see in Joseph. She will bear a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus. Jesus. Yeshua. Yahweh saves. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, and this is a quote from Isaiah 7.14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. I've got news for you this morning. He hasn't stopped being Emmanuel. He is still Emmanuel, God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. He's Emmanuel. And, and I, I was thinking about how Jesus proved himself to be Emmanuel. And I, 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 I considered how how maybe we've put certain stipulations on how he can be God with us. Do you understand what I'm saying? How, how we make rules and regulations for how he will be God with us. And we think if, okay, if I've read my Bible this morning and I prayed for a certain length of time, and you know, if I do, Sammy, what are you doing? Sit down. You're bothering me. Hurry up. Right now. Sit down. All right. Thank you. I'll whoop you on this live stream, little girl. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Let's get cracking. That's right. <clears throat> Where was I? I don't know. Jesus. Jesus. Yes. We put stipulations on how it will be God with us. You know, we've read our Bible, we've prayed, we've been doing the right things, we've been serving at church, we're doing things. You know, maybe you're like super, super gold star level Christian, you're doing some fasting, and we think, oh, that makes us even more available for God to be with us. And I'm here to tell you, he's God with us even when we're messed up. He, he's always God with us, that's who he is. And, and it's not... It's not him pushing us away. We push him away. He wants to be God with us. That's his heart. And I, and I started thinking about moments in the scriptures where Jesus shows himself and proves himself to be God with us in moments where everybody would think he would be kind of God away from us. God at arm's length. That's not what he's like, though. Flip over to Romans 8, uh, not Romans 8, oh, I love Romans 8, but Matthew 8. Matthew 8. When is he God with us? We'll look at uh, Matthew chapter 8. And, and we'll just start with verse 1, and then we'll skim down and we'll look at a couple of instances. I'm not, I'm not going to talk very long. I, I just want to push into this. As we were worshiping our king this morning, 
He's saying, here I am to worship. Why do we worship him? Well, because he's God with us. And when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This is how a lot of us approach God. We don't approach him from uh, the concept of he already is God with us, and he is always willing to move and work in our lives. Maybe not how we want to. I, I don't want us to turn God into our own personal slot machine or our own personal Santa Claus. But do you understand he wants to be God with us? That he wants us to learn to abide in him so that we learn he's always abiding in us. So that when we get to that place of abiding in him and he's abiding in us, we can ask whatever we wish and it will be done for us. That's in your Bible. And I, I refuse not to believe that that's true. I believe it. And you know what I found? The more I abide in him, the more the stupid things I want fade away. And that's why I believe every prayer request from that place of abiding is answered. Because it gets rid of the stupid. It gets rid of the selfish. I feel preach come on me. It gets rid of that stuff. So that we're in such alignment with him that all he can do is say, Oh, you want that? Yes. You want that? Yes. You see that need that needs? Yes. Why? Because we're so in love with him and we're so filled with his love. All we can do is ask for what he wants. And when we're asking for what he wants, guess what? He'll always say yes. And so here's this, this leper, Lord, if you will. He doesn't know Jesus as Emmanuel. He doesn't know Jesus as God for him. If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. He stretched out his hand and touched him. If you know the background of lepers during this time period, here's the original social distancing. Okay? You stay away from these people, and when they go into crowds, they are supposed to shout out, I'm unclean! Watch out! Like, they're, they're not really even supposed to go into civilization. They live with such, such a stain over their lives, such shame over their lives, because... They were unclean and nobody could touch them. Nobody was allowed to touch them because leprosy was so contagious and so feared. And what does Jesus do? See, listen, I'm not anti-mask. I'm not. But don't be posting junk like Jesus would have wore a mask to keep social distance. No, he wouldn't have. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to tell you, no, Jesus wouldn't have wore a mask. You know what Jesus would have done? He would have walked up to every person with COVID-19 and said, you're healed. <laughs> he would have touched the ones everybody was saying, stay away from. That's what Jesus would have done. Now, I'm not saying that as Christians, that's what we're supposed to do. Like, I'm just saying that I believe that's what Jesus would have done. Because here's an example of where you're supposed to keep social distancing, and what does he do? He breaks protocol. <laughs> Dr. Fauci would have said, Jesus, you're misinformed. There would have been a fact check on his Facebook post. I'm not saying not to wear a mask. I'm just saying don't go around acting like Jesus would have. No. No. Like, let's not put Jesus in our box. I'm not saying not to. I'm just saying, give me a break. He just touched the untouchable. That's what he did. Peyton, am I in trouble? Maybe? 
Not from you. I don't know. John, am I in trouble? I don't care. It's a good thing there's only like 20 people in here. Jesus doesn't do social distancing. That's all I'm saying. Here's this guy that's been living in total isolation. And we, we all get this. We all understand what it's like when you're separated from people that you love. And there's people during this time that they're going through that. Holiday plans are being rearranged. You haven't been able to be in, in rooms with people that you love because you do love them and you don't want them to get sick. I, I'm not saying not to use wisdom. I'm just saying let's not put Jesus in our box, okay? And we can all understand that isolation is a really hard thing. And what does Jesus do for this man that's been living in isolation? He says, I am God with you. And not only am I willing to make you clean, I'm willing to be the first person that's touched you in Lord knows how many years. Be clean. He's God for us in isolation. He's God for us. Just skip on down to verse, uh, verse 23. Verse 23. They're getting in the boat, okay? His disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing, we're dying. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And he arose, and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? I just wanted to remind you this morning that he's God with you in the storm, too. He's God with you in isolation. He's God with you in the storms. Now, I, th- I think all of us have been in a storm and thought, Jesus, you're sleeping through this one. Huh? Have we all been there? <laughs> Jesus, why are you asleep? Wake up. But just because it feels like he's sleeping doesn't mean that he's not there. Because he's still right there. He's still right there. Flip to the Gospel of John. I'm going to hurry. I'm going to get done. I'm in enough trouble. It's late, and I've said something controversial. So I better hurry up and wrap this up before I say anything else bad. John chapter 8. Just see another instance of, of Jesus being God with us. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, And he came again to the temple, and the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, it's commanded to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, They went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. 
from now on, sin no more. Where was Jesus in this woman's moment of failure and shame? Where was he? Kneeling down in the dirt with her. Wow. Where's Jesus in isolation? He's God for us. He's with us. Where's Jesus when we're in the storm? He's God for us. He's with us in the storm. Where's Jesus when we failed and everybody around us is going, they deserve judgment? He's God with us, bending down, stooping down to be with us in the moment of our greatest failure and shame. He is God with us. <laughs> and he's not, he's not going to change that. Go back to Matthew, Matthew 28. Two more scriptures and then we're done. Matthew chapter 28. Look at this. Now the 11, uh, verse 16 is where we'll pick up. This is after Jesus has been crucified. He's, he's risen, and he's about to ascend to the Father. The 11 disciples, verse 16, chapter 28, Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It's okay to worship, and it's okay to doubt. Just be where Jesus is, because he'll fix the doubt. Just get to where Jesus is. He'll take care of the doubt thing, right? Okay. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Look at how Matthew starts and how Matthew ends. It starts with Joseph being told, this, this boy that Mary's going to have, he is going to be Jesus. He's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. And look at Jesus' last words as he ascends into heaven. Matthew is bookended by this promise. God is with us. And it ends with, and I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you, even to the end of the age. There's going to come a day when time's going to run out on this universe that we're living in. <laughs> but until that moment comes, he promises, I will never leave you or forsake you because I'm Emmanuel. And you know what's going to happen when time runs out on this place? When, he, when there is a new heaven and a new earth, do you know what's going to happen? Revelation 21. I turned right to it. Amazing. Revelation 21. Don't you love it when your Bible gets broken to the point where you can just turn to where you're looking for? That's, that's awesome. It doesn't always happen, but Revelation chapter 21. And, and, when, and when time is done for this world, guess what's going to happen? Well, let's read it. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So there's going to come a point where this creation is no more. But do you know what the promise is? Until that moment happens, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you, because I'm Emmanuel, okay? Now what happens after this? And then I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. He says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you until time runs out here. And then when time runs out, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that comes. And then I'm going to be seated in the midst of that new heaven and new earth. And we won't even need light anymore because he's going to be the light in the midst of that city. (laughs) And we're going to dwell with him and he's going to dwell with us. And for eternity... He will still be Emmanuel, God with us. That's never going to change. It's never going to change. He will always be God with us. When we feel alone, he's God with us. When we're in the storm, he's God with us. When we're in our failure, he's God with us. And he's not going to stop being God with us. And someday when this life is over, he will always be God with us. He is Emmanuel. He is Emmanuel. Amen.